Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you are listening to Be The Man. And of course, we couldn't do it without the man himself, the Hall of Famer, the greatest of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, the nature boy, Rick Flair. Rick, how are you, man? Good, man. Thank you. How are you? Man, I am pumped to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite people, one of my favorite matches, Terry Funk in 1989. This is going to be a lot of fun today. But before we get into it, what in the world is Ric Flair doing these days? It feels like every time we catch up, man, you're all over the place. You're somewhere else. This is the first week I've been home in six weeks. Congratulations. Now till the 11th and then the 11th, I take off and I'm Las Vegas, Phoenix, Chicago. Again, I'll get to see Mongo again. Um, shit. I can't remember. Uh, I just take off for another month, all, all cannabis related stuff. And, and two signings, one in New York, uh, where I'll be with the Queen and the Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan, and then um, the other one in Chicago with uh, with Ryan Fitterman. Well, of course, so, uh, as if that wasn't enough, we got to talk about RickFlairComic.com. Yes, you have a cannabis line. Yes, you have endorsements. Yes, you have TV commercials. But now a comic, too? Tell us all about it, Rick. Well, it's a project we started working on three years ago. Uh, it started out with Martin from Cameo, and then he, I, we bought him out. And uh, it's myself, Kelly, and uh, James. We we it's it's it just fucking it's started finally starting to come together. It's a lot of components that I didn't totally understand because I don't know anything about comics. All I know is that who's the fellow that died a couple of years ago? The, the comic book. Uh, Oh, Stan Lee, man, the goat. Yeah, Stan Lee at a Comic-Con, he had the longest damn line. He and the the girl that played in Star Trek had the two longest lines every time. Um, She just passed away, too. I can't think of her name. Um, Yeah, uh, what's fun about comic books is the collectability of them. And, man, uh, if you're a flair collector, this is definitely something you definitely want to have. You've got all kinds of opportunities right now over at rickflaircomic.com. They've even got some Ashcan stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a real collector, boy, that's the really rare stuff. Go check it out right now. Rickflaircomic.com. And of course, uh, your, your woo wings, man, still chugging along. You can still yeah, order we just had a nice conversation via text with Dave. He's going to come down here. We're going to make some commercials, um, and, uh, get that rolling. What's interesting is, uh, the, the list to sign up is continuing to grow. And if you don't have woo wings in your area yet, uh, be sure to sign up at rickflairwings.com. Tell your favorite restaurant that you want woo wings in your town. Rickflairwings.com is where they can sign up. You can order right now on Postmates or Uber eats in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, of course, Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, and so many more locations in the hopper. The only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. It's Woo Wings, and uh, the place to sign up is over at RickFlairWings.com. But if you're in one of those markets, man, check Uber Eats, check Postmates. Be sure to tell your favorite restaurant you want Woo Wings uh, because they can be the virtual restaurant partner, and it's all explained over at RickFlairWings.com. But the reason we're here today, dude, is not to talk about comic books or chicken wings. We're here to talk about... Man, the Funker, one of the all-time greats. And I do feel like when people talk about that, that Mount Rushmore of wrestling, they always throw in the Stone Colds and the Rocks or the Bretts or the Austins or the, the Hogans and the Flares. But 
It didn't feel like enough people talk about Terry Funk, and I'm no. hoping we can change that a little bit today. It's like I said last week. I think that we're at this point in time where, and I guess AJ gave me that recognition last week, AJ Styles, so shout out to him. But um, there are so many great guys that, that never get you know, never get enough attention. I mean, it's, it's way past just four people now, um, especially when you divide them up in generations. But Terry Funk... Like Harley Race, I mean, how do you ever leave those two off Mount, Mount Rushmore in my eyes? My problem is I'm the only guy that's wrestled all these different guys from, like I say, from Brody to Terry to Dory to Jack. And I mean, which, you know, that just says how old I am. <laughs> Nothing more, but such a privilege to work with Terry Funk. And God, he was just, Terry was just a wild man. And it's funny, you know, prior to, he, he's the first guy that I, I saw put a little bit of comedy into work. Yeah, he can make you laugh. It's like I mean, he was so damn entertaining. Like Dick Murdoch, another guy that could really work, but he could do some stuff that would, would just crack you up. But he, he could turn you around and have you mad as hell up the next minute. He was really great. So Rick shout out to both those guys, Terry. I got to give Terry a call. But once I call Terry, he, he calls me five times a day for the next two weeks. So. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, a it's guy. a delight. And we hope that, uh, that Terry Funk is loving life in, in, in Texas. Of course, sadly he lost his, uh, his longtime wife, Vicky, a few years ago yeah. and man, they had been together for decades. So, mm -hmm. uh, your heart goes out to him, uh, trying to find the new normal sort of post Vicky. Yeah. Well, he was, they, they had him in a, um, not retirement home, but like a, um, it's like a community. Yeah. A facility, a care facility. And, uh, but now he's back home. And I think that he relies a lot on John Ayer's wife, John who played for the 49ers wife to take care of him. They've been a close friend for a long time. So, so many names out of the past keep popping up when you mentioned Terry Funk. I mean, just, God, I mean, guys, I saw Terry Funk. We're in Japan and he got, are, are third degree burns the worst you can get? Yes. Okay. Then he got second degree burns in a sauna. When hot water got poured on him by accident, you know how the saunas are over there? They're like really intense, right? Yep. And he went out and wrestled an hour covered in Neosporin the next night, that night. Not even That's a night crazy. off. It's insane. He just covered himself in Neosporin and went out and wrestled for an hour. That's, with, I mean, with a patch, literally six by five of, of raw skin. I mean, they put a bandage on it, but it came off in the first five minutes. You know, you know, sure. Was... So talk to me a little bit about Terry Funk. I mean, why do you think that, is it because just the era he was sort of pre-cable? Why do you, wh wh why do you think that for whatever reason, uh, he's not included on a lot of those Mount Rushmore conversations? Is it just simply, you know, by the time he was more of the territory guys and, and not enough folks had a chance to see him in this Yeah, area. not enough people had a chance to see him on national TV. Yeah. Until it was, till it was, till it was late. He's only, um, I want to say he's only four years older than I am, but I had the good fortune of being on, you know, TV a lot more. I got the title at the right time when TV would just, when, when, when Turner was just, I got the title when Turner would just got going. Right. So I had at least the advantage um, of being on Turner station where Terry, I don't think was ever the champion on that. I know Harley was a couple of times, but 
It was just a special time in life for me, but just being able to work with Terry. You know, that, that move we, that move that uh, we did in Nashville where he piled drove me through the table, right? Yep. They, they call that, the Dudley boys call that the first hardcore match ever <laughs> because no one had ever done that before, including me. And he damn near broke my neck because the table didn't break. <laughs> it's amazing to think about how much history you guys made together. And of course, we can't talk about Terry Funk and you without talking about 1989. Uh, the Terry Funk story really starts right after you're finishing up the trilogy with Ricky, the dragon steamboat. Yeah. Uh, who, by the way, in just a few weeks, I guess is, is coming back into the ring in Dorton arena. Uh, have you talked to Ricky about his, I, uh, I, his I, I texted him the other day. I have not talked to him. How, how, how are the tickets going for it? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not involved in that promotion, so I, yeah. I can't really say for sure. But uh, we sure are pulling for him and, and wish nothing. Yeah, well, Steve, Steve Perkins is a great guy. I'm sure it'll be a good deal for him. Oh, absolutely. So when you finish up the trilogy, which, of course, famously started with Chicago, and then we would bounce over to uh, New Orleans and go head-to-head with WrestleMania, Wrestle War is where we get the big payoff. You were talking about Nashville Municipal Auditorium, which you're pretty familiar with these days. Uh, you win and, and Terry Funk was there as one of the quote unquote judges in case it came down to a judge's decision to end the trilogy. He hops in the ring afterwards to congratulate you. And he, he jokes, or he says he's joking after the fact about asking for a title shot and you correct him and say, Hey, we do a top 10 around here and I don't make those. So you've been out in Hollywood. You're, you'll have to figure that out. And of course he apologizes and then sucker punches you. We're off to the races. Here off comes the, the pile driver on the table. Yeah. Just fantastic stuff. <laughs> he said, just follow me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Terry. you had no idea that, uh, none. Yeah. None. None. <laughs> Nobody was putting people through tables back then. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun to go back and see because, you know, we don't see a ton of, of table stuff. I think maybe a year or two prior to that, we saw Harley try to put Hogan through a table on Saturday night's main event. Of course, Hogan moved and Harley boy, he hurt himself pretty bad. I think he caused a hernia there and he was in rough shape. And so now the idea that you're also messing around with the table, I can see why you would be wary of that. This is before they were quote unquote ready for TV. If that makes sense. Yeah, they weren't. Um, yeah, they, yeah, this one definitely wasn't ready for TV. Yeah. Cause Terry Wade probably at that time, 250 and I'm 240 and we didn't break the table. So, um, but we damn near broke my neck. You know, he just, you know, Terry, uh, shucks. <laughs> didn't go quite the way I wanted to Rick. <laughs> I just love your interaction with him. And I think what's interesting in hindsight is you've been a big heel in this whole steamboat affair. You know, you're, you're mocking him and his family lifestyle and, you know, him with his wife and family and kids, and you're this ultimate playboy character. But when Terry Funk attacks you, it's almost a role reversal. Now fans are behind you. You're the sympathetic baby face. And Terry, who left, is one of the biggest baby faces in rest. He's a crazy Terry Funk now. He's yeah. this deranged heel. It's uh, one of the first double turns I remember in my wrestling fandom. Yeah, and it, it couldn't have worked out better. And then they put him with Gary Hart, and that was, it was, it was, and, he and Muda and against Sting and I, I mean, we had, we had a bunch of good stuff going on with Terry. It tells you just how talented Terry Funk is and how well-respected he is because, 
you know, to do a double turn like that, you got to have first two guys who are really over, right, Rick? I think so. Yeah. Do you but, think you know, when you take a look at the product these days, and of course we talked about it last week and then on the heels of the show, it certainly feels like maybe there is a fire to the smoke that perhaps MJF on the AEW side of things is going to be a baby face. And I know that, you know, you say he's a classic heel and you need great heels and strong heels. Have you had a chance to see what happened last week? And have you reconsidered? Do you think MJF? No, I, I was traveling. Heel? What happened last week? Well, he was attacked by his, uh, his heel faction. They left him laying, put him through a table. So it certainly looks and feels as if, wow, he might not be this super heel. Maybe they are going to lean into the baby face because yeah, he gets great like reactions. He gets great ratings, but what would you like to see happen there? Well, I just think, you know, that the, the fans, the fans turn you right. The promotion should never turn you. Does that make sense? Well, the fans, the fans are, are dictated a promotion. Hey, and I don't mean that in terms of, I don't mean that in terms of leadership, but if you're that hot as a heel, the fans will just begin to respect you so much. Very similar to, to how they did the horseman that we became, we became bay faces without even actually having a turn. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, it was almost to the point if we didn't have such strong, strong, I think their problem, they don't have a strong enough bay face over there to keep him, to keep him healed. Maybe that's the issue because the guy, if he's that hot and he's still young, I just, I would just feed him. I would make him the champion and I would feed him, uh, and feed him bay faces for a couple of years, like they're doing with Roman. Give a guy a chance to wear the title for a long time and let him, you know, carry the burden, not carry the burden, but, but be the flagship guy. And if you and everybody else, and I think he's pretty good myself, if you think he's the best, why not go with him? Well, it's I mean, be certainly it's been a topic of a lot of conversation between going there and WWE. I mean, it's just, you never know what to believe anymore, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Tony decided that he was a, 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 a very intricate part of what he wanted to do with his company, and that's why Tony paid him. That would be my, my guess. Right, well said. Uh, what do you I think? can't wait to. Well, I, I, I think they're going to turn in babyface. Uh, yeah. I want you though. I'd like to see a longer heel run. I guess we'll find out at the AEW pay-per-view here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be him and John Moxley for the world title. So we'll stay tuned. Uh, but I was, yeah, Moxley I was is really doing well too. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I think well, they're coming I mean, to they, get you, Rick. Uh, I think they're coming to get you. I hear them coming in the background. Yeah. That's the uh, fireboat. <laughs> so you got some hot takes today, I guess. Hey, so Terry Funk, now the number one heel in the company, uh, he's cutting promo after promo on you. He's questioning your manhood. He's having an imposter flare come out with a yellow stripe painted on his ass. Yeah. Creatively. Are you guys giving some free reign here? Oh yeah, is, is, totally. Okay. Yeah, we almost lost TV over the plastic bag over my head, though. <laughs> God. I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, I, it I was crazy the way that Barnett went out of his mind. And no, I did not know about that either. He said, trust me, trust me, trust me. <laughs> I, I, won't I won't put it on you so tight you can't breathe. <laughs> okay. 
is it right that in this era, Funk is also a part of the booking committee along with yourself, Kevin Sullivan, Jim Cornette, and Jim Ross? Well, I know the people who respected Terry but he even wanted to do that. But I mean, yeah, he was in the office a lot. But I mean, he was, I mean, he was, I think Terry was probably, even at that age, Terry was the best worker in the company there. Right. At that time. He Terry was in the main event spots. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I only think because um, he didn't feel like traveling like he had. Him. Once you've worn that title for a couple of years and you're traveling around the world, I mean, Terry has been a huge hit wherever he's been. He was huge in Tokyo. I'm sure you've heard that. Terry, Terry. He was over like, uh, like I'm only a few other people I've ever seen uh, that weren't Japanese. And... um of course, West Texas, he was huge in St. Louis. And of course, he had a big run in Atlanta with us. And uh, yeah, and, he, and you know, he, he had some health issues. I mean, serious health issues. And he's been able to battle his way through those. And now he's, you know, he's hanging in there like all of us. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we're doing in these promos back and forth. Because Terry wrote about this in his book. He says... Flair was really bothered by this stuff. And I was told to tone it down a little bit. I didn't see the problem because I was the heel. The ending was going to be that Flair was going to kick my ass. I sure wasn't going to say all these outrageous things only to beat up Ric Flair and then go home and hang up my tights. I don't know if Flair was upset because he was insecure or because he wasn't there. You see, he was home selling the injury angle and all he knew about was what I was doing. And when he saw it on TV. All he saw was me blasting him every week with all the divisions in WCW at that time. I wouldn't be surprised if he thought I was working on behalf of someone else there to make him look bad. He had been having his problems with Jim Hurd even then fighting over his contract, which Hurd thought was too much money for him to make. And all that stuff was done to create a heated atmosphere for our match. So do you remember, you know, being at home and thinking, all right, the yellow stripe and challenging my manhood. No, some of this no, it, he, he, the, what the last part he said is absolutely accurate. It was all Jim heard. Yeah. Yeah. It was just all Jim heard. No, I was never mad at Terry. I thought it was great TV. Did the paranoia never, and, never, and we've never, we've always had phenomenal chemistry. I've no, I could tell you some stories about Terry Funk at the would get us the number one ranking in the podcast about how much fun I've had with him. <laughs> I'm a character, he's a character. <laughs> no. My only problem is, as you know him, God, people don't even begin to understand. <laughs> there are only two real big problems I've ever had in this damn business were Jim Hurd and Eric Bischoff. Yeah. And it just all around WCW. And, you know, it just, it's, I don't know what to say about it. But absolutely, I was never mad at Terry. No, we're not. We've never been at a cross word, man. Do you think the I idolized Terry? I'll tell you how bad it was. I, t- <laughs> I used to travel with Terry and was an NWA champion. And then the king came into the Carolinas. I'd go take out a champion. He said, "Yeah, you will. Take your time." I said, <laughs> "When?" I would drive him crazy. I said, "How do I go? What can I do to be better to be a champion?" I he like tutored me as <laughs> we drank our way across. The Carolinas and Virginia's. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Greg Valentine brought a, bought a brand new Olds 98. Remember those? Yeah, I do. And we bought 10 
of the Foster Lager beer, right? Mm-hmm. It was me, Jimmy Crockett, Terry, and Greg Valentine. And we bought a bottle of Everclear, and then we had, a, you know, Miller Lite and all that stuff, right? And we're riding down the highway in Funkus. So Funkus lighting Greg Valentine's hair on fire from the backseat. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we pulled up to an area of me going to know this called Monroe Road in Sharon Avenue and Funk get out of the car completely naked. He's got the NWA belt on. He's standing in the intersection at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's no cars, thank God. And, and <laughs> of course, that's when everybody was drinking and driving, which I'm certainly not condoning now by any means. So we go back to my house, and I had a, a pit bull that Megan knows, and a half pit bull and half of Aston. And he was such a an athletic dog, he jumped over the privacy fence and came out and he bit Funk on the nose. Oh my God. So the, you can ask Leslie this story. So we go inside the house and I, that, that, um, Everclear, it made me sick. I got sick. Terry's got a, he took a knife out of the knife stand, out of the carving stand. Yeah. And was crawling around on his hands and knees naked in the backyard of my house, trying to, trying to catch the dog. I was laying on the floor, and I'd taken Megan and put her. I had taken Megan and put her under the bed, and told the babysitter to go home. And Leslie walked in. No, I paid the babysitter extra, put Megan and closed Megan's door. That's what it was. And Leslie came home and said she had two friends, and she goes, "So, um, this is my like you to meet my husband. I'm laying or covered in you know whatever." And that's the world champion from the company he worked for. <laughs> Leslie took all my stuff and threw it out in the front yard of the house, threw every bit of clothing I had. And, uh, and somehow the next thing I knew, I I woke up in the downtown or downtown. Funk was on a plane to another town, and I had no home. <laughs> Walked outside with my silver Eldorado. <laughs> and I don't remember how we got there. That's not That's not funny. <laughs> I do not remember how the hell we got there. <laughs> yeah, that's Terry lot. Funk. I got a lot more of those too. <laughs> the visual of Terry Funk crawling around naked in the yard, trying to fight with the dog with a knife yeah. in his mouth. Yeah. And your wife saying, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like let girls. I'd like to introduce you to my husband there covered in yep. whatever. And, uh, out there in the yard playing with the dog naked and the knife in his mouth. That's the world champion. Uh, champion of the company that uh, my husband works for. <laughs> she took all my clothes. Call her when you get off, off the podcast. And ask oh, me. she's told me the story before. Uh, oh, she has. Okay. Any, anytime Terry Funk comes up or uh, she'll ask about, Hey, how are the old guys doing? And she'll run through a list. And she'll ask about <laughs> Terry Funk and I'll say, I'll give her an update. And then she'll go, did you know? There you yeah. go. Hey, and then Harley raised, you know, Harley came over for Thanksgiving all the time. Steamboat came over. I mean, Megan was entertained by some of the greatest of all time. <laughs> Jack Briscoe. <laughs> Let's talk about Gary Hart. Uh, he winds up being paired with Terry as his manager. Terry's a hell of a promo. Did you mm. think we needed a reason for the fans to make sure they booed Terry Funk? It's not like he needed a mouthpiece. Why was why was Gary added to the presentation? I, I don't know for sure. But Gary, I mean Gary was a hell of a heel. And, and I tell you what, Gary, Gary's very smart too. Well, the only thing Gary, Gary didn't like to, he did not, the problem with, he, he didn't, he's one of those guys where with Bobby, you, 
you could bounce Bobby around. There was no payback on trying to hit, um, on trying to like to, to punch Gary or something like that. He hated being touched. Mm. But if he's if he's going to interfere in a match, he, he had to figure that someone's going to try and take a swing at him. Not 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 to hurt him, but just 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 to let the fans know that you actually are bothered by him. You know what I mean? Tell the story, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why I was amazed. Who did, didn't didn't Brock just put Paul Heyman through a table? Uh, yeah, I think there was some physicality recently with Paul. Yeah, yeah that, like the uh, F five through a table or something like that. Sounds right. Good for Paul, man. I mean, it, 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 when you do stuff like that, it, sooner or later, there's got to be payoff to it. Well, there was a payoff to your feud here. Five weeks after you've been on the shelf, you return to the ring. For Great American Bash 1989, there's 12,500 fans there. 11,500 are paying 188 grand. Uh, you guys go 17 minutes and 23 seconds. You retain the title, and uh, Meltzer loved it. He gave it four and a half stars. And there's a, a post match where we get to involve Sting and Muda. And man, this is one of the all time great WCW shows. A lot of my friends who love WCW still hold great American bash 89 in really high regard. Uh, where does that one rank for you? Um, Oh, for me individually, I mean, I loved it. I love, I think the ones with, uh, the ones I liked the best were with sting and, uh, with Terry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Terry, Terry was great to work with. Like, I mean, just phenomenally. And you knew that, Thing about Terry, Terry was at the point there where he was entertaining, you know, he was wobbling his knees and stuff like that. But the Terry Funk 10 years prior to that, you know, wore short tights, had his hair cut completely different and was, and was like the world champion. Now he was a character. Does that make sense? And he was a great, great world champion. But I almost enjoyed the character Terry Funk as much as I did the, him being a great champion. Because he was funny. <laughs> he ran from me <laughs> at the hotel bar. <laughs> I love it. That tells you you're doing something I right. Just lost, I just lost a foot of a test, Flair, and you want me to have a drink with you? Damn. <laughs> yeah. They got some of my intestines too, Terry. <laughs> the rest of it, the Conrads. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen to you. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about how we continue I'm to, to get me a house because the Ric Flair drip is big as yours, brother. <laughs> I, I'm in. I signed me up. <laughs> when are you going to come visit the fraternity house again? I'm, I'm coming down when Dave is. Shh. Okay, good. Just don't how about anybody. this week? I'm off. <laughs> uh, we, we get to run even shows in Amarillo. Talk to me about that. Terry Funk's going to be the baby face in his hometown. You're the heel. Uh, do you. Is that difficult for you, or do you just listen to the crowd and respond in kind? I just listen to the crowd. I was a big heel there. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, but that wasn't a clash, though, was it? No, 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 no. Just house shows and whatnot. They had a great bar there called the Four Horsemen. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'll be darned. I, I think you wind up having I said, 20. I think I said, that we'll be back. <laughs> What's fun about this feud and really process what I'm about to say, because man, this would be tough these days in this run from wrestle war in Nashville up until the I quit blow off, which is what we're talking about here today. You and Terry Funk have 25 matches during this run, 25 mm -hmm. matches together. 
He never beat you once. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It never hurt him. When you're over, you know, wins and and I, losses. I, I don't know what the deal was because I tell you what, he, he, even though he wasn't a Terry Funk of old, which was just 10 years prior, I, I, how old was Terry? 78. 77, right? He's 78 right now. So he's four years older. Well, I'll be 74. So he's five years older than me, right? Yeah. He could have been a world champion. I don't know. I don't think Terry wanted that responsibility. No, I don't think he did either. I think he was in just for a cup of coffee. You know, let's go have some fun. Yeah, he, you know, he, he did real well with that property he had out there. Yes. He sold that property, that ranch he had, and uh, did real well with that. I mean, you know, he and Vicky, what's so sad is that he and Vicky, he spent all those years traveling, and now when the kids are growing, he can finally relax, and then Vicky passes, which was terrible. It is terrible. But one of the Your best times deal. I ever had, you know, when they inducted the Funks into the Hall of Fame in Houston, um, you know, both guys should have been inducted. You know, I, mean, I think individually for what the, for how good they were as individuals, but they did them together, and that was a great. It was the same year they inducted um, Steve Austin, I think, 2011, and it was a great, great time and all that. Terry Terry Funk's just a great guy, as is Dory. Dory's still. We're the last three traveling champions still alive. It's crazy. It is. So the final, the final build to your I quit matches is the plastic bag angle. You talked about it a little bit before. Uh, here's the Meltzer recap. It, it comes from uh, a match with you and Sting against Dick Slater and the Great Muda. It's going to end by DQ. The match itself was excellent, but the angle afterwards has turned into one of the major controversies. All sorts of good moves, some of which the cameras actually caught. The heat was incredible. They did one excellent false finish where Gary Hart hit Sting with a foreign object, and it looked like a sure fall, but Sting kicked out. Flair bled at the 17-minute mark, and the ref wound up on the floor. Terry Funk, who came out of the hospital specifically for this angle, put a plastic bag over Flair's head and, quote-unquote, tried to suffocate him. At the same time, Slater hit Sting's ankle several times with the branding iron, and the faces were both left laying and, quote-unquote, out. Four and a half stars, a lot of heat, but there's a lot of kids watching. And boy, I think the folks at Turner were none too happy about this yeah. plastic bag. What do you remember about this? Well, I remember exactly what they're talking about. They were furious, but um, you know that's when that's when that's when you could get heat and you could do things. <laughs> but we did it. We that's why it didn't matter who won or lost the match. We had so damn much heat going into it. People wanted to see it. You know what I mean? Right. There was no, it's like social media. I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't allow it. It doesn't allow the guys to get heat anymore. That's, that's the only thing I, I don't like about wrestling is that you can't really tell. I mean, the, the, the guys now are more interested in signing autographs. I used to, even when I was traveling with Hunter and Evolution, I used to go, heels don't sign, bad guys don't sign. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, even though you're the bad guy, they don't do anything for an autograph. Did that make sense to you? Yes. And that was unheard of. That's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to figure out is how, how you could just, you know, we could be so brutally uh, beat people up like we beat up Dusty how many times, right? I mean, beat up the road warriors. I mean, but their characters were so strong that they they not only made a comeback in the ring, we, we, we would just, didn't we didn't have to even get them off their feet. The people right. never sat down in towns like Philadelphia and Baltimore, and that. 
because they were over so big. It's, it, it's not just they face it, but it's characters. Hmm. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the next piece of business here, which is going to be a Thunderdome cage match. It's between you and sting taking on Muda and funk. There's fire at the beginning of the match. It just goes downhill from there. It's not well thought out on the WCW side of things. No. And it's such a disaster. Funk even writes in his book, how the finish of Gary Hart throwing in the towel wasn't even the planned finish. What do you remember about this? I don't even remember that. I just know the match was horrible. Every time it's kind of like that, that, that tower of doom we did. I just, uh, we just could have had a regular cage match. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. It was just hard to work. The guys are trying to climb up things. It just, we went from having these phenomenal matches to, to something that's to a gimmick. A gimmick can be good or it can just kill you. Hey guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hit after another and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but maybe just couldn't win a bid. I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes. Interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home, but here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that, homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when, in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term because here's what's not long-term these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction and that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to hurry 
to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Well, let's talk about, uh, the, the main event, the real reason we're here, the blow off. We finally made it clash of the champions, New York knockout, Troy, New York. We want you guys to watch along with us. One of the all time, great matches. One of my absolute favorite matches Rick ever had. Pull up Peacock search for clash of the champions. You want to go to season two, episode nine. This is the ninth clash of the champions. Now it's non-title. But you've even said in the promos, you'll vacate the title. If you lose, we want you to go to season two, episode five, your one hour, 20 minutes and 17 seconds in that's one hour, 20 minutes and 17 seconds in of season two, episode five clash of the champions nine. We're going to do a quick countdown and then we'll roll it, man. This is going to be fun. Here we go in three, two, one play. We got the audio there. You see a little mic yeah, work. It, 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 when he was champion, he was 20 pounds heavier than that. Well, look, look at the physique he had on him there. It's phenomenal here. He looks great. Yeah. Might be the best shape <laughs> of his career. And, uh, of course, this is uh, something that got kicked off at Wrestle War in May. Here we are uh, putting a bow on it. New York knockout here. Troy, New York, towards the end of the year. Gary Hart around <laughs> the outside. Tommy Young on the inside. This is good stuff, man. Live on TBS. <laughs> one shot up and over <laughs> frustrated with the fans look at him oh i can't i was watching this last night because they made me tape <laughs> he is incredible <laughs> Meltzer would write back then if there's ever a hall of fame for pro wrestlers terry funk would have long since earned his spot but oh the my induction God. ceremony would have to be held on Thursday morning. Funk's farewell match on Wednesday night, an incredibly dramatic I quit match with Ric Flair will go down as one of the greatest individual performances in recent memory. And look at him all over the place. Oh, brother, I am smacking him as hard as I can. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the, the observer would always poll the readers of the show, Rick, and this is only the second show in observer history to receive a 100% favorable rating. And it's because of this main event. Think about that. 
100% thumbs up, 0% thumbs down. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, It's so much fun. The live crowd here is about 4,000 folks here, heavily papered because, well, even though we've got a great product, we're not the greatest, the greatest promoters, uh, RPI field house here in Troy, New York, 5,800 seater, but 4,000 fans in attendance to see one of the all time greatest matches, man. And of course, let me guess we're calling it all in the ring. This is old school stuff, right? Oh yeah. We never, we never talked. This show does a 4.9 rating and a 7.8 share overall. That means there's 2.5 million homes watching uh, on any given minute. Of course, these days we talk about the number of people back then. It was the number of homes. You see the, uh, the Coors light sponsorship around the ring post. Wasn't all bad with Jim Hurd. He had some good inroads and look at them right there on the hardest part of the ring. This is something way ahead of its time. And there's that, uh, that ringside table where we've seen some folks sitting all night and yeah. they want to get out of the way when, when, uh, Terry Fox coming near that table. So you guys knew ahead of time, Hey, we're going to brawl all over the place. This is not a technical wrestling match. This is a fight, right? No. Yeah. But we can't, we still called it out there because we didn't know, you know, first of all, I didn't know how the crowd would be in New York. Either did he, you know, we, we it's funny. I don't know how they come up with Troy, New York. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know where. Yeah. I mean, why not Atlanta? Why not Atlanta, Georgia? <laughs> why not Miami? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was it was like Herb was always pushing us to go somewhere where we didn't have that good a TV. Meltzer would say that this didn't have the number of great moves and athletic high spots that your normal match of the year candidate would, nor was it your typical brawl. It just seemed far more brutal, even without a trace of blood is blood, blood banned in this particular event. Yeah, it was banned. Of course we would have, I would have been bleeding like crazy. Yeah. Look at Terry's punches, man. He, He just dead on. Meltzer, who's always high on you, says Flair was his usual self, which is to say the best wrestler of this and maybe any era, but this was Funk's night and he outshined everyone. Yep. His intensity, his mic work and his bumps stole the show. I've always thought this is my favorite Terry Funk match. Well, he had so many great ones. That's hard to say. I appreciate that. He, he. He was just, it's hard to explain how great Terry is. In your pre-match interview, you mentioned that if you were to lose this match, you'd be through in this sport, meaning it was probably too late for that to be a, a stipulation. I mean, you're doing it on the same show, but you're trying to add as much oomph to this as you can. 1989 is a tough year for WCW business. The WWF is firmly in control with their mega powers and Hulk Hogan's become a movie star with no holds barred. And here you see the use of the mic, which really added a lot of the drama. Do you like an I quit match where the mic is being used like this? Oh yeah. I've only been in a few of those, but I, I think, but it takes the right guy to do it. I mean, everything Terry is doing there, he's not missing a lick. His punches look good. He's holding the mic with one hand, knocking me out with the other. I mean, 
There's not. There's nothing there that looks. Look at look at the way he's punching me, and look at some of the stuff you see in the ring today. Come on. Yeah. Please. That's like I said last week. The fundamentals are are, are just not where they should be. It's all about who can do a moon salt and stuff like that. Yeah, high spots as opposed to yeah, high know, spots down yeah. and dirty, which sometimes don't even work because the audience isn't in the way they want them to. The announcing here for this show is Gordon Soley and Jim Ross. Yeah. And Meltzer says it was a unique pairing matching the best announcer of the seventies with the best announcer of the late eighties. Ironically, the main event was a similar matchup. I think that's cool. Gordon Soley and Jr. the best of the seventies, best of the eighties and here funk and flair, best of the seventies, best of the eighties and who better than Tommy young. Yep. There's another guy should be in the hall of fame for sure. (laughs) <laughs> trying to escape and you're chasing him man and i am hitting him so damn hard there he goes he just he goes is that all you got <laughs> i'm laughing thinking about him we've had so much fun over the years <laughs> he just swings away at everybody What's funny is, you know, he's got a reputation as being, you know, a real tough old bastard to the point where I saw in an interview once where someone said, Hey, we're, you remember ever asking somebody to ease up because they were too tough. They were, they were going too snug or too hard. He almost laughed and said, no, I'd never say some shit like that, which just made me double over laughing. Like say that again. Now Terry Funk was asked once. You were being in an instance where someone was going too hard. They were too snug. They were too stiff. And you asked them to ease up and he was almost incredulous. Well, no, I'd never say some shit like that. I just <laughs> thought that was so hilarious. Like he was almost offended. Of course not. I'm Terry Funk. Bring it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know, this is uh this is cool for you too, because this is a hardened edge for you. I mean, of course you've done bad guy things, but it's rare that we see you in a brawl like this. And, uh, man, you're bringing out the best in each other. I know you, <laughs> yeah. know, you think you had your best matches with, with Ricky steamboat and sting. I don't know how anybody could really argue that, but give me more of this every time, man, this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think the fans miss this kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. You know, if this wasn't ball pit on Twitter wants to know if this wasn't an I quit match, would there have been another quote unquote gimmick match you would have enjoyed to have with Terry? Um, well, I liked cage matches. Um, when I liked, um, um, what was that match I had with, uh, with all the last man standing kind of stuff. I like those. I, mean, I like all yeah. that stuff, but it all, once again, it all depends on who you're in the ring with. I, so I don't right. think he's not laying lumber on me there too. You know what I mean? He knows. Sure. <laughs> Ask me how excited I was to take this again. <laughs> Talk to me about the pile driver. I saw in 1989, it's the first time I ever noticed you would hold Terry's boots for the pile driver. Yeah. What was the strategy there? Just thinking that he could get Because you what happened was when, when in, in Nashville, he literally almost broke my neck. Not on purpose, obviously, but I have more control over myself. You're taking the bump because you you land in your head. Doesn't matter how you try it. The only guy that could ever do it every damn time you never touch your head was was Taker. 
notice everybody he's got Rick's holding, uh, Terry's boots. I, I don't think I've seen another wrestler do that besides you. Is that something you tried on your own or is that a technique an old timer gave you? No, I just, I just tried it on my own. Man, how good is Tommy young right there with the microphone. Yeah. It's amazing. Slamming your head into the mat. That's old school, man. That's fun. Yeah, That's like is. a real fight. You're doing it right in front of Jim Ross and Gordon Soley there. You can see them in the background. <laughs> Look at Terry. Oh man. What a fun presentation after a night like this, uh, this is sort of his swan song. You know, he was in from may until here. Uh, so I don't know a little more than half a year. I'll look at you making your way off of the, the, uh, the padding around the ring Gonna pile drive him directly on the concrete again. So a pile driver in the ring and now another on the outside. Remember in storyline. Now this all started in Nashville that put Rick on the shelf for five weeks. So he's really targeting the neck, telling a story, working a body part. That's as old school as it gets. Right, Rick? Exactly. You know, we yeah, see, it just, um, <clears throat> it's, it just seems like something that it, it's, it's, it's a lost art, I guess. I, I, I don't know whether the fans want to see the, the moon salts and the high flying stuff more. I mean, I'll, I mean, not saying it cause it's the queen, but after that, uh, when, when, when the queen does that, uh, that, uh, not moon the salt, but that, that corkscrew yeah, moon yeah. salt, there, there's, mm -hmm. there's nothing else left. Yeah. When a girl 5'10 can do that, there's nothing else left for something to do, in my opinion. It's, uh, it's remarkable to, to go back and take a look at how different, you know, everything about wrestling is in 1989. There's not a bunch of signs in the crowd. Nobody's playing on their cell phones. You see some flash bulbs, but it's traditional film cameras. Um, you know, these guys don't quote unquote, know the finishes. They're not on, you know, do any tribalism on social media. It's fun to go back and watch yeah. wrestling in more simpler times. We see Doug Dillinger there at ringside is Doug going to be involved in any part of the planning of a match or no. is it something where he's just uh, calling it in the ring? Like you guys are, he just slammed me on that table. <laughs> He just add living right now. Let me. None of this was talked about. Right. <laughs> there you go. We're, what are we trying now? I probably said to him. <laughs> that was probably a, like, like let's figure out what we're doing here before you kill me again. <laughs> yeah, because that table is propped up with the legs out. Yeah, uh, you would want to do that exactly. <laughs> He's trying to dive over the legs. My God, Terry Funk. Uh, only Terry, right? <laughs> oh God, I'm enjoying this. These back bring back big memories, man. After a night like this, uh, Terry's uh, farewell. Is it straight to the bar for you and all the boys? And let's celebrate. Oh hell yeah! Are you kidding me? Now, I loved. I've always loved that. <laughs> First across the table. What a great visual. 
see where Gary, Gary got so damn mad there. Yeah, he hopped right up. You have to put him back there. Gary's mad for real. Yeah, he sure was. <laughs> don't get involved. You don't want to be involved. <laughs> that's nice to know. Huh? That's, that's nice to know to have that context because normally when, when a wrestler, you know, gives a bump to one of the, the managers, they stay down, not Gary. He yeah. popped right up and got the hell out of Dodge. Oh, he was mad. Nope. He yeah. was mad. But if he's in the way of the match, he's going to get tagged. That's, that's sorry. That's, a, that's, that's the way that's we used to do it. <laughs> I love it. You got to admit, if you could turn it on TV and see this right now with Terry Funk, you, everybody be watching. I'll tell you this. I'd rather watch this than most main events on TV. <laughs> Just think Just, if, we, if we could have bled in this match. Tony Schiavone made a great point. He said, you know, if you have all this tape, you have all this footage. Why not every now and again, just say folks today, you're in for a real treat. We're going to the archives and we're going to do a flashback to 1989. Just show this. Yeah. I mean, people would love it. Well, we'll see. I love it. I'm having fun watching it. I can tell you that. And I sure had fun being part of it. As a reminder, you can watch all this great stuff over on Peacock. Uh, WWE has, uh, the entire WCW and WWF library there. Lots of great Terry Funk, lots of great Ric Flair there, all on Peacock. And if you have Comcast, man, it's free. Like, how do you beat free? So check it out. Peacock, man, maybe one of the best values around these days for professional wrestling if you love the old stuff. <laughs> Isn't he fabulous? Now we're telling a story. You know, he's trying to work on your neck. You're trying to work yeah. on his knee. You're trying to get that figure four lined up, really targeting the knee. By the way, since we're talking about it a couple of weeks ago, our old pal and listener to the show, Rick Rubin was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast Yeah, and he revealed to Rogan that he is a huge wrestling fan. I actually knew yep. that I've talked to Rick several times about our uh, podcast I have two. Years. and, uh, Rogan sort of made fun of the idea that in a real fight, quote unquote, real fight in Brazilian jujitsu and things like that, that you give yourself up in a figure four, the, the aggressor, the person applying the move is basically giving their opponent an inside heel hook and it would never work in a real fight. And I think I saw a tweet from you saying, Joe, try it on anytime you'd like. Is that right? No. Yeah. What I was implying was if I, I didn't say, I never implied that it would work in a real fight. I said that if I could put it on him, he couldn't get out of it. Okay. If I, I, if I could put it on him, I put it on linebacker from pro football teams and bars. They can't get out of it. So I need, I need to see that, make that the, happen. The best way to resolve that is to have him on his show. <laughs> He's been after you to be on for a few years. Back when we did a podcast originally, he was all about it. I actually saw him do stand up at the Ryman theater in Nashville. And he was sort of explaining. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. He's he a real saying, talented guy. Jeez phenomenal and, and and he's got a part of his bit that's even on, on a netflix special i believe where he talks about pro wrestling and sort of pokes yeah. fun at it but then he goes some of it's pretty cool and he says rick flair and holds the microphone out to the crowd and the whole crowd in unison yells woo and he goes see we didn't plan that and he talked about how cool it is that there's a dude walking this earth who just has a sound associated with him yeah that dude of course is <laughs> you and woo. there it is right there thank god <laughs> 
It's a trademark sound. <laughs> you know what's crazy is they play it all the time at minor yeah. league baseball games and things like that. And I got a call from a friend of mine a few months ago, and he said, "Hey man, every time a guy gets a hit in this game, they play the woo." I hope Rick yeah. gets paid every time they say woo. And I said, no. boy, he wishes that was the case too. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> look at look at Terry swinging his left hand at me. <laughs> Terry Funk, man, one of a kind. Now, see, I got that on. Look where Ter- look where look Terry's leg is. Well, if you get it above the knee, you don't get out of it. <laughs> I promise you. Let's track it here, Steve. Let's listen to this. He's got that thing locked completely in. He's got a deep, deep in there. Yeah, that shin bone right across, right across the shin. Oh my God, it, it can really hurt. I mean, I'm not applying pressure, obviously. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> there it is. What a He's moment! Look a at the crowd. Man. Look at the pop. Gary Hart is selling it big. What a great visual. <laughs> Gary was great. Just don't touch him. <laughs> of course, uh, after the match here, uh, we're going to see the, uh, the post-match angle. And here's Terry Funk on the mic. You egg sucking dog. Gary, I promised the people I went to. I'm going to shake his hand like I said. You're a hell of a man, Ric Flair. Give it to me, better than me. better than me. He's got that voice. What a voice, huh? What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. So there you go. What a moment. What a match. (laughs) Terry Funk, man, one of a kind, one of the all-time greats, and what a performance that was. When was the yeah. last time you saw that match, Rick? Um, gosh, I don't while, know. Huh? You know, sometimes when I'm traveling, I'll look at the pe- the Peacock Library. Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of time to travel. Um, I probably haven't seen that in, in like in that that much of it for a long time. I hear about it a lot, though. It's funny. No matter we do these comic cons and travel like I do, you really find out who's over in the business and who's not, and what they remember and what they're not, and then. And of course, if you put up a social media post, you look at the comments and it's amazing how many people, but being my age, it's amazing how many people can remember back and say, boy, I remember your matches, da, 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 da. Like, well, I went with my dad. Much as I hate hearing that, I was 12 years old with my dad. I mean, I hear that every day now. Or I was five years old. You were the greatest. That's so <laughs> You're great. the man. <laughs> Hey, you know what the greatest line of all time was? What's that? And it's only ironic because I hear 
So when uh, Seth Rollins was when Seth Rollins was wrestling Dolph Ziggler, and they had a hell of a match, like forty five minutes. I mean, they had a hell of a match, right? So I text Seth and I go, Seth, um, man, great job. I text Dolph, man, you guys were great. And he goes, <laughs> and Rollins texts me back, just wanting to be like the man. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I saved it. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> well, now I don't talk to me. <laughs> I well, I can guess why. Um, <laughs> next week we're gonna be doing nature's. Just, hey, just want to be like the man. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Next week, when are you coming to the fraternity house, man? Tell Megan you're on your way coming with uh with dave and we're gonna have fun and uh, we're all right buddy well, it, the fraternity great. house is waiting and chad moved on you're not man let's do it uh you know listen tampa's never gonna be the same here's the question you teased us last week that there might be an opportunity to form maybe the tampa horseman there was a rumor and innuendo that you might be fellowshipping with the greatest quarterback that ever lived mr tom brady we still working on that? Did it happen? And you've been so no, Ty told me actually, I talked to Ty last night. Ty is coming next week and I'm off all week. So I'm okay. hoping because it's, it, it, it's been made public now, obviously that they're divorced and yes, you know, everybody feels I, I'm not, I'm not making light of that by, by any means, but man, would I love to go out with Tom Brady be like going out with Joe Namath. And if I was 35, he'd say the same thing about me. <laughs> I think that could be its own podcast, Rebounding with the Nature Boy. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. Rose and everything else. And maybe even get a technical next week when we do Ask Nature Anything. Oh, my God. A, ask him anything. If you got a question for Rick, he ain't scared. Ask him a question right now at To Be The Man Pod. We'll throw it up on my social and on Rick's social, and we'll see you guys next week right here on To Be The Man. Woo!